Happy Sabbath, church. It is wonderful to be in the house and in the presence of God. As we proceed in our worship today, let us uh, affirm our faith by reciting John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And also let us affirm our worship by reciting Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor your male servant, nor thy male female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. With these words, the church is hereby called to worship. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. lovely father we thank you we glorify your name we thank you for the sabbath we thank you for these special days in our life it may be tough but you still give us the opportunity to be able to worship you to praise you father you always make your ways in our life we say thank you this morning father I say our thanks in the name of jesus 
Father, we thank you by giving us the another chance, another chance to get closer to you, another chance to know you more, another chance to face you, another chance that we have the opportunity to use the technology these hours to see each other faces. Father, we say thank you for the, may your name be praised forever in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask for forgiveness of our sins, Father. All the area that we did not meet your expectations, that's what you are expecting us to be, what you are expecting us to do in our lives, what you are expecting us to be doing to, to, each, to, to, to every one of us, what you are expecting us to be doing to praise you more. Father, this hour, we just thank you because you are not a human base like us. You did not judge us the way we are, is by your grace, day by day. We say glory and honor be unto your name. Father, forgive us our sins in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, the whole world, we are going through a lot, they are going through a lot, especially for this uh, coronavirus, that thousands of people already lost their lives. Thousands of people, they are in the hospital. Millions of the, pe millions of the people, they don't even know if they have it or not. Father, have mercy on us, Father. Father, show us your mercy. Father, look at us and uh, give us the perfectly healing. Father, I pray for those people that are in the hospital in these hours. Most of them, they don't even know if they will make it to this evening or to tomorrow. Father, you are the most highest doctor in the whole world. The doctors and nurses, they are trying their best, but you can do better than them. Father, we pray for those people that they are going through the pain now. Even a lot of them, they don't even know where they are. Father, have mercy on them, Father. Father, heal them all, Father. Father, everlasting God, we pray this hour. All the doctors, nurses, all the health workers that they put their life online, to save order, Father, we pray that you save their own lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we use this opportunity to pray for all our leaders around the world, Father. This is the time we need them more than we need them more than anything else. Because they are in the position to provide what they need in the hospital. Father, we pray that you will touch their hearts and so that they will continue to supply what is necessary, what they needed in the hospital to take care of the sick one, Father. And that those people that need to be tested, Father, we pray that you will touch their, you will touch their, uh, their, 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 their mind so that they will provide what we need. Father, we just thank you for this, Father. Father, we just continue to praise your name, Father. These hours we pray for your daughter, that you provide a job for her. She did not even know that if she will have anything to, to be doing this hour, but by your grace. Father, we pray the, the job that you open the door for her. Father, I pray you will continue to bless her with the job and provide something higher than this, Father. Father, thank you for the life of your daughter that's sick that you brought her home to, to, to stay with her family. Father, we pray we use her as a point of contact to other people. Even on spoken requests, those people are still going through a lot of pains in their life now. They don't even know what is going on in their life. Father, please 
we call upon your name this hour. Father, see them through and continue to protect them in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the life of your daughter that she was, uh, was God baptized uh, last week, Father. We just thank you because you let her know the truth. Let that truth be permanent in her life in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for the life of a senior uh, Eda Ikone that today is bad day, Father. Thank you that you make him, you, you make today be a special day in his life. Father, you know what your son went through. You know it all, Father. We thank you because you still have you still have your blessing for him. You still want to continue to use him. Father, we just thank you that you spare his life to know today uh, as a special day in his life. Thank you for the anniversary of his wedding too. Thank you for the wife that you bless him. We thank you on behalf of his children too. Father, may your name be praised forever and ever. Father, this hour, Father, we pray each and every one of us have our own challenges, Father. You are the only person who can see all through, Father. We pray this hours, Father. Father, come and answer our prayers in the, our prayers in the name of Jesus. I use this opportunity to pray for the family of uh, Pastor Okuris, Father. They lost the loved one, Father. Who are we to judge or to say anything? What is wrong? But you know it all, Father. You are the only person who can comfort them. Father, we pray that you will comfort this family, Father. Father, the lady, the woman, the lady left behind the two kids, Father. The way they will be able to raise them, they cannot do it alone. Father, provide their needs, Father. Father, let them be a, a children that when they grow up, that they will know you. Father, the father now is the, 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 the father of the of the children is thinking, how am I going to do this? Father, I cannot do it alone. Father, may you comfort him, Father. May you provide his need, Father. We just thank you. We glorify your name, Father. These hours, I pray for your, for your son, Eda Ben, that is going to break the bread of life today, Father. Father, speak through him, Father. Father, hide him be, behind your cross, Father. Father, today, let each and every one of us be blessed with the message that you will become now from his mouth, Father. We just thank you, Father. We glorify your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Before I get started, first of all, I want to give God thanks for my wonderful husband. Tomorrow, by God's grace, we will celebrate 33 years of marriage. Hallelujah. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And I just want to thank God for Jesus this morning. All over the world, people are remembering his wonderful, his awesome sacrifice. And so I'm I'm just praying that these songs will just remind us, remind us of the awesome sacrifice that he has made 
that we can even be called the children of the Most High God. So if you know them, you can sing along with me that, so that we can exalt him. He's God. He is God. So let's exalt him this, this afternoon. It's not morning anymore. <clears throat> On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and i love that old cross where the dearest and the best for a world of lost sinners was slain and i'll cherish the old rugged cross where my trophies at last i lay down i will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for my crown. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I meet him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how, I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Jesus, bright as the morning star, Jesus, how can I tell you how beautiful you are to me? Oh, Jesus, song that the angels sing, Jesus, dearer to my heart than anything sweeter than springtime purer than sunshine ever my song will be jesus you're beautiful to me you're beautiful so beautiful you're beautiful 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though no one joins me, still I will follow the cross before me, the world behind me. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. Happy Sabbath, church. I love that song that says, Come, we that love the Lord, join in this worship with songs of praise and with sacrifices of giving. In Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, we read the story of the healing of the 10 lepers. Very quickly, I'll just read verses 15 to 18. And it says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? For me, that story says one in ten. One in ten for the foreigners. One in ten for the Samaritans, one in 10 for showing our gratitude to God. So for those of us that know God, let us return our one in 10 so that those who do not know the love of God can come and know the love of God. And one in 10 will go a long way to tell the world about the love of a savior. So bring your service of gratitude to Jesus. Jesus loves cheerful givers. We have so much to be grateful for. We are not a part of the statistics this morning. The statistics are scary. But so praise God that we are not a part of those statistics. So let us show our gratitude. And as we show our gratitude, let us remember the community services department. If ever our community services department needed to be functional, it is now now because many souls many in our communities are suffering they are hungry they are shut in so there is so much that our community services department can do so with your help this morning i know that the community service department will reach many souls and don't forget our local church even though we are not in that building physically we still have a lot of bills to pay so the light bill the mortgage all of that will still need to be paid so please, let us go to our phones 
and click on nakachurch.org. Nakachurch.org. Go to the online giving. It is not difficult. I've done it several times, and I know that the Lord will help us, that he will make sure that our a jar of oil will never run dry. As he has blessed us, let us be a blessing unto others. So let us go to nakachurch.org at this time. Go to online giving. If you don't want to do all the steps, just sign in as a guest. Sign in as a guest. Put your name, your address, and find that ATM card. Put the ATM card uh, number there and click on the, um, the envelope. You have a, a spot for your tithe. You have one for the local church. And all the way down at the bottom, under the local church, you will find the community services department. So please give generously and the Lord will bless us all. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be meat in my house, says the Lord. And prove me here with, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father in heaven. We praise you and we bless you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you that even when we are ungrateful, even when we are unfaithful to you, Father, you remain faithful. So, Lord, we praise you. All your children on this line this day, we lift up our hearts unto you. Father, Lord, I pray that you accept us, that you accept our gifts that we have brought back to you this day. Bless us. Are there any who are sick? We pray for your healing. Are there those who have lost their jobs? Father, we pray that you provide for them. Are there those who are hungry, those who are in despair? Father, I pray that you meet them at the point of their need. Help us to be a blessing to those around us, that as you are coming soon, that we shall not be found wanting in that kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Tell me, Lord, it will be giving us our children during the Sabbath. After God's heart, when he was a boy, he he was a shepherd. He helped take care of his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came to hurt the sheep, David chewed them off. He protected the sheep. One day, one day Jesse, his father, told. David the go see his brothers who were fighting the Philistines. When they got to the battlefield, they, they saw a giant named Goliath. He was an enemy of God. Every morning he made every morning he came outside and made fun of God's people. Unfortunately, all the Israelites were too scared to fight Goliath. David wasn't afraid because he knew God was at his side. David took five stones in the slingshot to fight Goliath. He put he put one little stone and threw the swing. He swings it around and around and around and around and around. 
and he swings around his head and, and one of the stones flew up to the air and hit Goliath in his forehead and he tumbled down dead. Mm-hmm. That day, everybody knew that God is, is stronger than any giant in our lives. Yes. Amen. Only a boy named David, only a little swing. Only a boy named David, but he can sing and play. Only a boy named David, only a little swing. Only a boy named David, but five with stones he took. But one with stone went into the swing, and the swing went round and round. And round and round and round and round and round and round and round. Hey, oh, round and round and round and round and round and round. And one was going up to the air, and a giant kept tumbling down. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Then thank you for thank you for all of us. Help help us to be brave, just like David fight Goliath. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tammy Lori, for that wonderful story. Amen. Happy Sabbath. And let's have a word of prayer. Kind of most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing of talking to your people this morning and presenting your word. Lord, I'm just a humble servant, a sinner that is saved by grace. Oh, Father, use this word of yours so that it can touch our hearts today, our minds today, that it can change us and make us more like you. I know that in times like this, that is when we need you most. Therefore, use me today, but let me not be seen, but may your grace and your life be seen in what will be presented today. I don't know all the topics were prepared, but I know that you can provide the way you want it to be presented to your people. Bless us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God is still on the throne. That is what we know. As Christians, we come to believe that God is on the throne. But sometimes when things happen, when circumstances happen that is contrary to what we believe, we start doubting, is God really in control? And there are something else that is happening that we see that is contrary to what God has in plan for us. You remember a few weeks ago, a few a month ago, this, the stock market was going sky high. Everything was wonderful. Unemployment was at the lowest point in so many years, and everybody was bragging how good we can do. I remember Warren Buffett said something that one day he thinks that the stock market will hit 100,000 points because it's riding high. Then all of a sudden, from nowhere, everything came crashing down. And if we remember the words in Revelation 18, it says, alas, alas, what happened to the merchant ship? What happened to that? great merchant, that great city. 
And it's not only in the United States, but all over the world. All of a sudden, everything is canceled. Sporting event is canceled. Our assemblies are canceled. Everybody cannot even go to, you can't even hug your partner. You don't know who has it. You don't know what's happening. That is a change that brings fear to us. And that is what happened. We're looking at what happened in the Bible. When we go to our Bible reading today, if we go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting high on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, why would Isaiah, when he starts this verse, says, in the year that King Uzziah died? Why couldn't he say, I looked and I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the throne of his robe filled the temple. And then I touched my tongue, and then all of a sudden I became the greatest prophet about the coming of Christ, the first, second, and third coming. Why would he make reference to King Uzziah? Let's go to Chronicles chapter 26. If you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, let's see why, what was happening in Israel, uh, in Judah at that time. Why would he reference Uzziah? We tend to skip over this and go straight to the call of Isaiah and say, oh, he had hope putting his mouth and then he prophesied. But why would he say that? If you go through the history of Judah and Israel, what we'll find is that they will say one king came and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and then his son reigned. And the next one, he did what was evil in the sight of God and the next one. Every king from Saul had something to happen to him that was not right. Very few kings in Israel lived their whole chapter of kingship without incident. Maybe one or two, but even at that, even, Jos uh, even uh, Josiah, who was the boy king, at the end of his life, he still refused to not fight Egyptians and his life was taken. So his life was cautious because he did not do what even Pharaoh told him, God doesn't want you to do this. But the boy king still went and did what he tended to do. And that's what happened here. Now I'm looking at this and saying, okay, what happened with Uzziah? Uzziah had just recently taken over from his father Amaziah. Amaziah was a good king, then he turned against God. And because of the circumstances, some of his servants killed him, and they took his son, who was Uzziah, and made him king, and he was only 16 years old when he became king. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, it says, Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. And verse 3 said, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Now, 52 years is a very long time because the, he was the second longest reigning monarch in the history of Judah. 
The other person was Manasseh, who reigned 55 years, but Uzziah reigned for 52 years. So when you look at his reign for 52 years, Uzziah is the person that most of the people in that generation knew. Most of the people knew him as king. From the beginning of his life, they were young. And Isaiah probably was also a young person during the time of Uzziah. And his parents said Uzziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So everybody looked at Uzziah as a good king. He says in verse 4, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah had done. He, what did Amaziah do? He brought down all the, all the idol worship. All, all the people that have built up all the high places, all the evil idolatry, he broke them down. And now Uzziah took, takes over from there, and then he becomes strong. This is what he says in verse 5 of Second Chronicles. Say, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in visions and God of God. And as long as he saw the Lord, God made him prosper. Now, Uzziah decided, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to look for God. God is going to be with me. He's going to guide me. Because this nation has transgressed, because you had about several kings that had taken them away from God and taken them to the worship of Baal and other gods. Everybody worshiping the God the way they wanted. And Uzziah said, I'm going to seek God. And he became a God-fearing king at the age of 16, and he reigned in Jerusalem for a long time. Now, this story happened about 770 BC, which is 200, about 200 years removed from the reign of Solomon. And he became a, Uzziah became a very good king and very strong king. So one thing you see here, it says something here, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. What does that mean when we look at that? We look at it and say, if you seek God, does it mean when you seek God, you have to become rich? Not necessarily, because God has already blessed us. He said, while you were what, yet what? Sinners, Christ died for us. While we are sinners, Christ died for us. And he said that for God so what? Love the world that he gave his only what begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not what perish but have everlasting life. So God already has given us blessing, He has already given us opportunity to accept His blessing. But if we listen and follow His will, it makes it easier for us to enjoy those blessings. But if we decide to go contrary to things and don't seek him, then our life sometimes can become difficult to bear because God has given us a guideline or road to walk in. It's like you're walking through a big, straight, narrow road. When there was a time we drove to Yosemite National Park, when we were driving from from San Francisco and going all the way to, to Yosemite, there was a road that was very narrow. On one side was mountain, on the other side was a valley. 
And to me, I had to stay focused driving my whole family through that area. Because there was a guidance, I couldn't look left, I couldn't look right. I had to keep focused on the road because this is what God has given us. God has given us a direction. This is how you can enjoy the blessings that I've given you. But when we have a tendency to veer from that, then we have problem. And that's what we see in the life of Uzziah here. I'll tell you a story. There was a time way back when I was in the US, early days in the US, I was living in Decatur. And there was, I was had a cousin that lived in, in Smyrna, so I came to visit him a couple of times. And then I met this young man and he told me, ah, Ben, you work in KFC, I say, yeah. He said, probably make about $16,000 a year. I say, yeah. And he said, well, you can make more than that if you listen to my plan. I say, really? Okay, what is your plan? After a couple of times, he told me, you know, you have to make a trip to Nigeria. And then when you come back on that trip, two trips, and you make enough to, enough for the year. You will make enough to, to support yourself so you don't have to work hard every morning. You just relax 8,000 one time, the next trip 8,000, and your money is all there. And I looked at him, I said, Harrison, get away from me. So Harrison was persistent. So he talked to one of my roommates and told me, no, you can join me in this and you can make this trip and then you'll be able to survive. My friend said, I'll think about it. I said, don't think about it. That is not a good plan. But sometimes we have tendency for somebody to tell us that what God has given us is better than what is the truth. My friend decided to say, I'm going to take up the offer. I'm going to go to Nigeria. And then he swallowed all that cocaine, made it through the airport because they have all the things, so they don't, they're not checked. Finally, he made it all the way to the United States. And as they were about to empty all that, to throw all that stuff up, back up, or however they're going to, he was arrested. That was his first trip. And the impact of that was so much on him because the week he made that trip, his wife was also coming to the United States from Nigeria. And then you see his wife came to the airport, but he was already in jail because he didn't follow what God's plan was, which is to follow and do what you're asked to do. So young people, I tell you, God, has a plan for you. Because he says here, as long as you seek the Lord, you will prosper. You will have people who tell you, come and smoke with me. Come and sell drugs, and you're going to make more money. Don't worry about school. School is too hard. Don't worry about listening to your parents because they are old and they don't understand. I'm calling on you today. Listen to the word of God because it is source of wisdom. It is source of life. Because there was blessing as long as Uzziah was leading and following God. What did he say? It says here in verse 16, he said, Now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall, the wall of God. 
wall of Gath, the wall of Jebne, and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gaul, Baal, and against the Munites. So God helped him, and then his kingdom got big. It says there, it says also, and he, or in verse 10, also he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells for much of the livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. And he also had farmers and vine dressers, and in the mountains and the camels, for he loved the soil. So it says on verse 13, and under their authority was army of 370,500, and they made war mighty power and helped the king against the enemy. <clears throat> now Uzziah becomes so powerful that he expanded the, the borders of Judah all the way to Egypt. He was so powerful, he was so good that he understood God was with him. Now he has reigned for 52 years. Now, sometimes in our life, we get to the point, we think that we are too good a Christian, that we can do anything that we can. We are too good in what we do. We understand the Bible so much. We went to the seminary. Okay, we went to everything. We are pastors, we are elders, we've been preaching this word. And you know what happens when we think too much ourselves? We become so prideful that we misunderstand and know that we are constantly reminded to humble yourself before the Lord. Because when God blesses us, we think that we have a right to be whatever, do whatever we want to do in the church, at home, in the community, because we are blessed. We look at ourselves and say, look at me. Do you know who I am? Do you know where I come from? Do you know what I've done in life? And that was what is called pride. And when we look at the fall of this world, what caused it, it was pride. And the pride got to Uzzah. Now, all the blessings, but look at what happened in verse 16 is what changed everything. Verse 16 says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction for his transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering into the temple of the Lord to burn incense in the altar of incense. We've had the, we've seen this before. This playbook, Saul did the same thing. Shortly after he became the king, he thought, oh, I can do sacrifice because I cannot wait on Samuel. I cannot wait on the priest. I have to do something. And Uzziah took and said, you know what? God has blessed me. I am a strong king. I am a good king. Everybody loves me. And then what happened? He took incense and went into the temple to his own destruction. And then what happened was that all these young people grew up knowing him. Do you know that when I look at it, I say, in the world, who is the, who is the king or whoever is ruler that has been there 
all my life. And when you look, I see Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth in London has been the queen since 1953 or 1957, somewhere around the 50s. All my life, she has been the leader of the British Empire. So if I was living in London, all I would know about the leadership is what Queen Elizabeth has done. Nobody else can see what any other monarch can do in England. Because most of the people living in England, all they have known is Queen Elizabeth. They don't know anything what will happen with Prince Charles or Prince, whoever the Prince or Andrew or whatever that comes after her. All they've known all their life is Prince Queen Elizabeth. So that is what is happening. The same thing is happening here in Israel. All these young people have known is Uzziah. And then all of a sudden, what did Uzziah do? He tried to bring religion back to where it was. For 52 years, he tried to bring them back to God. Even though the people still did not follow, but he made it sure that they brought it because God said the king has to be also responsible for pointing us to the Lord. And whenever they will sing, God said, look at what you've done. Because people always look to the leadership. That is why in every situation, leadership is important. People can say, I do what I, you do what I say, don't do what I do. No, people look at leadership. And leadership we have in the church, the leadership we have at home, the leadership we have everywhere affects those who look up to us. That is why when we lead as fathers, as parents, as church leaders, we need to always be cognizant and say, who is looking at me? Who is walking after me? When I'm gone, what is the message that I'm leaving behind? Am I leaving Christ behind? Or they say, thank God he's gone. Leadership is important. And in this, Uzziah stood up to one instance. Now let's go to verse 17 and see what happened. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests and the sons of Aaron who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall no, you have, shall have no honor from the Lord. The Lord said, God is not going to bless you. Because now 80 priests with Azariah said, no, you cannot do this. This is not your place. This is not your job. It is the job of the sons of Aaron. How often do we as leaders think because of we have done some good work, we step over our bound and start to do other things. We don't know when to stay within our lanes. We don't stay within our lanes. And what happens to us? is that we make mistakes and we say everybody has gone against us. Because sometimes I'm an elder and I want to go do the work of a deacon. I want to tell the deacon how to do the job. I say, if you don't do your job, I'm going to do your job. Instead of encouraging them and praying for them. I am an elder. I want to go do the song service. I want to do things different because that's the way I feel. I can do it because look at me. I am the one who founded this church. I am the one who gives the most money. 
I am the one who does all the cleaning in the church. Look at what, how hard I work. Therefore, I don't know how to stay within my lane of what God has assigned me to do so that his name will be glorified. We want to glorify ourselves. And that is what happened to Uzziah. And this created a problem for him. They told him, God will not honor you. You see, the most important honor we have is not what people say about us. It is what God says about me. What does God think about me? What does God say about me? But we are more concerned with what people honor the fear about us. And that leads us to destruction because we try to prove what people say about us more than what we say what God says about us. And this led Uzziah to make a furious mistake. Verse 19 says, then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out in his forehead before the, before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. They told him, you cannot do this. Take our counsel. You cannot. Instead of saying, okay, okay, I'm not going to do this. What did he do? He got mad. Who are you? I am the king. I can kill you. I could take your life. I could separate your head from your body. But God said, no, you're not in charge because you cannot do this. And leprosy was the result of what happened to Uzziah. And it says in verse 20, and as I had the priest and all the priests looked at him and there was and there on his forehead was leprosy. So they thrust him out of the temple place, placed him into a, hurried him out of there because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper on the day of his death. He dwelt in isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king, king's house, judging the people. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from the first to the last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. So Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Because of this action, his reign was cut short. And that is what Isaiah is referencing. When Isaiah is looking at, if you look at the first five chapters from Isaiah, Isaiah is saying there is a problem. There is a problem in the land. There is a, a, a people are very wicked. People are, are using, are, are taking advantage of the poor people. People are doing things they're not supposed to do. Where are you, Lord? And you know what? There are five problems created as a result of this issue. First of all, there was man-made crisis, a senseless crisis that arose in a nation that was coming back in its religious standing that he looked at and said, what happened first? That Uzziah shouldn't have been dead at that time because he was only 60 years old, 68 years old. He could have been longer, but it was a senseless crisis that was created because of his decision to do what God says don't do. 
How often do we create crisis in our family? Because we make senseless decisions. Because we think we are all we have. The second problem that resulted, there was a loss of leadership. Because Uza was experienced. Young people looked to him. He was breaking down all the, uh, all the idol worship in the country. He was leading a revolution. But because of what he was, his decision, what happened is that, is that now we have a problem because the leadership that was there is gone. Whenever there's a change in leadership, you could say, yeah, we have the vice president or the vice to take over. That is a problem because the experience of the existing leader is lost. And every experience you lose in leadership is very critical for that replacement to, to be able to meet up to that. That's why no one can feel I'm in that position. For 52 years, he led this country. Then he was an iconic spiritual leader. He just squandered. All the opportunity he had to continue to influence young people so he can influence his son so that they can continue the revival he continued the nation was all gone because of that. Now, because of that, there was doubt in the nation. What is going to happen next? What is going to happen to us? What is going to happen to your people? What is going to happen to God's people? Because there is doubt. We don't know what is going to happen to the church. Who's going to be the next leader? We had a, his father was bad. The guy before was bad. Joash was bad at the end. And now we have Jotham. What's going to happen? There was crisis of spiritual magnitude that possessed Isaiah. And he said, what are we going to do? What is going to happen to the religious movement that this man has created in this country? And then when you look at somebody who's considered a national hero, he was a good king. Everybody feared he was real because you never had good things that said they did what was right in the sight of the Lord. It was, they did evil inside the Lord. They did evil inside the Lord. They did for 50 years, they did for 40 years, they did for 29 years, but they did what was evil inside of the Lord. And God is warning them, I'm going to visit this one. I'm going to take away this one. And when they have all that Moses warning, and then they come to a good king, all of a sudden he's gone. What happens to us? That is why we must look and say, in situations like we have today, we must not lose hope. Because it seemed to them in that Israel that hope was lost. Just like we have today, a lot of people have lost hope because of coronavirus. A lot of people are uncertain what's going to happen. We are all uncertain. We don't know if we could go back to our jobs, what will happen. We don't know if the stock market is going to ever rebound. Most of us have lost a lot of money in retirement. Most of us have had a pay cut at our job, and they say maybe we'll bring the money back, maybe not. We live in a period of uncertainty. It was a dark day in the history of Israel because King Uzziah was dead. Today in this country, we're able to worship, we're able to come to church, but we know 
and it looks like a dark day in the history of this church. But God had a message for Isaiah. God says, Isaiah, I'm going to show you that though the earthly king is dead, but the king of kings is still alive. The king of kings liveth. The king of kings is still on his throne. That's why God said, you know, I am the king that lives forever. I know the end from the beginning. I know what will happen today. I know what will happen tomorrow. I know what happened in the past and that nothing happens to me by surprise. Then, that's why we come to Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. Let's break that verse down and look at it. There is reason for hope. Because the first thing we see here, he said, as I said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. The first thing is that God was still on the throne. No one has taken his throne. His throne is above all our worldly difficulties. Because the throne that God is on is not because he's doing isolation or because he is separating himself from us. The reason why he is on the throne is because he is above our problems. He can solve our problems. He can control our problems. He can meet us at the point that we need. That is why God was still on the throne. Because as I said, my hope number one, God is still in control. God is still in charge. And two, secondly, he is on the throne. No one has taken his throne. No matter what happened, nobody is going to take his throne away. He is also to be worshipped. He said he was high and lifted up. And what was the purpose of Isaiah? As I was told, I have a message for you. You go tell them that I'm coming. First time, I'm coming a second time. I'm coming a third time, and I'm going to make all things new. So you know that I am to be worshipped. No matter what happened, I'm still in control here. And they said here, God has to be worshipped in our hearts, in our thoughts, in everything we do. Can you imagine the thousands and thousands of angels that worship God? Because it's a 10,000 times, 10,000 times, 10,000 times, 1,000 and 1,000. Sometimes I try to do that in, the, in my calculator and try to multiply that. Then it gave me E. That is, is beyond what the calculator can handle. So which means that this infinity of angels are there worshiping God. And that is what is so amazing. And then number four point here is that his train of his robe filled the temple. Now, I don't know the biggest temple that any of you has gone to. I've been, you know, if you're in the Catholic, in the Catholic church system, they built mighty temples. And those temples, when people walk into them, I've never been to Rome, but people say when you go to Italy, that the St. Peter's Basilica is the most magnificent place that you can be. And he said, the temple, the robe of God just filled the temple. 
What is temple he's talking about? What is the temple that he's talking about that he spoke to you? The temple of God is all heaven. Because he said, when he comes, we will meet him in the sky. So the temple of God is like the whole world. The whole heaven is his presence. That is where he lives. And then the longer the train, in this world, we've seen a lot of big weddings. Because every time you go to a wedding, they say, how good was the wedding gown of the bride? How long was the wedding train? I don't know, young people these days have seen some craziness in what they wear for weddings. Some people wear jeans. Some people wear everything that is crappy. But when you go to a wedding, the first thing everybody is looking, how beautiful is that wedding gown? How beautiful, how long is the train of the wedding outfit for the lady? And he says here, the longer the train, the more important that person is. Some of you, you younger people know about the wedding of Megan and Harry. I think that was the biggest wedding of this generation we've seen. But some of us that are older, remember in 1980, the wedding of Prince Charles and uh, Lady Diana. I remember watching that lady or that wedding. We had to travel from Aswa, Babcock now, and we went to Lagos. I went to the house of one of our friends called Edinle because they owned the TV that they also had generators so that if they are taking electricity, we'll be able to see the wedding. And we watched that wedding, I think it was close to midnight on the night time. And that wedding was the wedding of a lifetime. Do you know how long the train was? If you guys remember, some of you people can go see it on, on YouTube. That her train was 25 feet long. And it filled the temple of uh, that, uh, I don't know what it's called in, in England. The, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it filled that temple because it was 25 feet long. Now imagine how important it was because everybody still talks about Prince Dad wedding 40 years ago because it's the wedding of the wedding. But that is not anything compared to the train of God's glory. Because the train of God, the train of the train of his rule is train of righteousness of Christ. It is the righteousness of Christ that has on that truth. So, so when things are happening, one thing we should know, God is still in charge of whatever we do. One person told me one time, one of the pastors told me or preached on this, and he said that when a king in the olden days conquered one king, what they would do is they would cut the rope of that conquered king and attach it to their own rope so that it was like kind of their trophy to say every time I win this king, I'm going to take your rope and I'm going to attach it to my rope so that that is my flag of honor to say I conquered X, I conquered Y, I conquered Z, I conquered everybody so that when you look at me, 
you know how powerful I am. Now, Uzziah had conquered a lot of kids, and he probably put all those things on his, on his robe. But the thing you have to know is that when he is dead, no king inherits a robe. Every king has to go create their own robe because now you have to go create your own part of the history. And that is what happened here is that the throne of the robe of God is the robe of righteousness of God. So now we've seen in some places in, the, in, in, in some picture they say God covers you with his robe of righteousness. You see the little uh, thing they say like a bathroom and they cover you see this is the robe of righteousness because our righteousness is like filtering. So God said, okay, I'm going to cover you with this uh, little robe. But that's not the robe because each in the robe of God is every victory that he has won for us. Every time he overcomes Satan, our victory is attached to that robe. So imagine this, if you go to heaven, it's going to be long and long and long and very long robe because everything that God has done for us is attached. I want this victory for me. I want this victory for Ben. I want this victory for Obin. I want this victory for Matthew. Ah, this all the victory I have for you. And that is the righteousness of my righteousness attached. So wherever I go, your name is written on my robe. Your, your, your life is written on my robe because I want you to win because I cover you. So imagine what it is like when God covers us with robe of righteousness. I imagine it's that long robe that covered the whole temple that God is going to put over us to cover us. Imagine what it would be like. Now, if you remember the story of Esther, if you go to the book of Esther, remember the story of Haman and Esther and King Ahasuerus. Hazros was having a dream, and in the dream, he was troubled, so he said, read me the books. And they read the book of the Chronicles and read him, and he said, wait a minute, Mordecai did this for me. He protected me against a coup d'etat against me. What has been done for him? They said, absolutely nothing. So he was wondering, what am I going to do for him? I know what happened. Naaman just walked into the court. He said, who's that? They said, Naaman. Naaman comes and said, okay, Naaman, this is what, what do you think will be done to the person who the kings like to honor? And Naaman being so egotistic, thinking, <laughs> who's better than me? I've given the king everything. I've given him money. I've given him everything. It's about me. He said, you know what the kings you do? Take your group and put on that person and let that person ride on the horse and or drive and drive them around the city and say this is what will be done to him that the coins like to honor and Naaman was expecting i'm the one who else there's nobody in this kingdom and he was so humiliated when he had to do that for Mordecai. And Mordecai was taken all over, and that was a humiliation for him. That is an example of 
somebody getting somebody's rule. But Mordecai did something to inherit this rule. But God says, we have not done anything to inherit the rule of Christ. Because God has an unspeakable holiness. And when we look down there, we may say, and in, in verse 3 says, and one cried another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. That is, the unspeakable, unspeakable holiness of God was seen in everything. And Isaiah said, oh my goodness, the king is alive. I will tell you today, the king is alive. Let's go to Isaiah. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah 46, verse 9. Isaiah, go to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10. What he says about God, about what is happening to us today. Because we are living in fear. We're living in time and say, what's going to happen next? But God says this in this hope in Isaiah 46, verse 9. Say, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient of time, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. God says, remember the thing, I am God. I am from beginning to an end. Nothing happens without me knowing. So nothing is happening by surprise to God. Coronavirus is not a surprise to God. Okay? What we're going through in our jobs is not a surprise to God. What we go through in our families is not a surprise to God because he knows the end from the beginning. Because he is God, he says, I am God who loves you. But he says in Isaiah 59, go to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 1, 59, verse 9. He said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot see, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, oh my God, it is our fault. It is our fault. He said, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Why? Wow. Why? Iniquity. Look at what happened in this country. Because we don't, we can do anything. Even in this country, our leader says, I cannot make mistake. I cannot, I cannot ask for forgiveness of sin. I can't confess anything because I don't make mistakes. How many of us, even though we say he says that, how many of us in our mind think that? Because God says, my hand is not shortened, but he will give you all that you have. God said his blessing is ever present. In this coronavirus, if you go to Philippians 4.19, Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory in, by Jesus Christ. He said, I'll give you all you need. So in this coronavirus era, when we're struggling and fighting, I said, what's going to happen? God said, don't worry. 
I'm going to take care of you. He looked at Isaiah and said, Isaiah, don't worry. I'm alive. I'm in control. The nation is in disarray. There is confusion. There is doubt. There is fear. There is vacuum of leadership. But don't worry. The king of kings is alive. And then in Romans 8.28, all of us know that. Because he says that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his will and purpose. So if we believe we are called, if we believe in God, if we want to everything to work out for good, then we have to completely surrender our lives and our thoughts and everything we have in the hand of God. So as we come today to the conclusion of this message, what happened at the end of that vision? Go to verse 6. It says, verse 5 says, So, as I said, so woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of unclean people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen that thing. You see, he thought it was King Uzziah was the king that would fix everything. But now Isaiah turns and I say, oh my goodness, I have seen the king. The king is alive. The king is here. The king is on his throne. His throne is still in charge. He is our God. Oh, he said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm going to be taking out because this is beyond what I can understand. And this is the same scene that Daniel saw in chapter 7 of Daniel's chapter 7, where he saw the ancient of James seated in a spiral on the throne. <coughs> Excuse me. So as we go today, look at this. What happened to Isaiah then? Then one of the seraphim flew to me. Having his hands a live coal, which had he taken from the tongue from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is touched. Also, I had a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. The question is, in this day, there is stuff going on in our lives today. Are we more concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow or what, what the president is going to do? Who's going to win the presidency next time? Who's going to, what are they going to do? What will be their plan? Will this save the nation? All those are speculations of what we do. But one thing is, is true. The sure word of God said, I am God, I change not. I am the king and I'm on the throne. And I'm in control of what happened from beginning to an end. As we look at the things that has happening now, this is not the first time this has happened. Nations have been perplexed with confusion. But God said, I'm in control. I'm in charge. Now the question is, see, 
I believe that God is still in control. I believe that God is still alive. Do you? Do you truly believe that God is alive? Or do you truly believe that church is just a social organization that we can go to so we can hang out with one another? As you worship today, the question is saying, if God is inviting you, what will you do? What would you say? If he says, whom will I send? What would be your answer? Would you say, send me? Or would you say, send someone else? Because I cannot do what you want to do. But he says in Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 2, he says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, he who performed you, O Israel, fear not, for I am redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. God says, fear not. I have redeemed you. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen. It's going to be all right. The question is, when God says, whom shall I send? What will be your answer? Will you say, send me? Or will you worry about what is the political situation that will happen next? What will happen with the presidency? What will happen to our people? Where will we get our food next? What will happen to my job? God knows the end from the beginning. And you know what? He will love you with everlasting love. He said, I've loved you with everlasting love and care. My prayer today is that we hear the call of God and don't live in fear. Don't live in doubt. But say, whatever, Lord, you want me to do, I will do today because you are still on the throne. Let's pray. Our kind of most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being on the throne. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for you are the only one that has the, the robe that will fill the throne of heaven. That robe you promised that you're going to cover righteousness with that robe. Oh, Father, I pray you this day. Be in our hearts. Make us more like you. Help us to surrender everything to you. Help us to make you the king of our hearts, the king of our life, the king that lives forever. And may your grace abide with us always. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our kind of most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for worship service. Thank you for all our people. Lord, we come to you in this time of fear to please, to please with you, to please give us faith, give us strength, give us confidence in you because you have told us that we are yours. Therefore, Lord, bless us with the blessings that you bless Jacob. Bless us with the strength that you gave Isaiah. Give us the spirit of Christ that we may go and tell people about your love, your grace, your goodness, that you will dwell in our house. And Lord, help us that in these times 
always stand up as light on the hill to tell people that you are in charge, that the king is alive. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's time for praise worship, I believe, and uh, the privilege of leading out today. This is a time to praise the Lord, and we thank God for seeing us even from one Sabbath to the next Sabbath. Um, I want to praise God specifically. Today is my, my dad's birthday, April 11. I know it's OB Junior's birthday as well. We praise the Lord. And today is also my parents' wedding anniversary. Um, almost 50 years now being married, so I guess I'm, get, I'm slowly getting up there myself. So I just want to thank God, and we want to praise God for his goodness and for his mercy. And uh, we'll start by singing song we all know, Ancient Words, Changing Me and Changing You. So let's sing as we praise the Lord. Oh, a holy words, long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Words of life. Words of hope give us strength, help us cope in this world where we roam. Ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing we have come with open hearts oh let the ancient words impart holy words of our faith handed down to this age came to us through sacrifice, oh, heed the faithful words of Christ. Holy words, long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words in part, ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open heart, oh, let the ancient words in part, ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you we have come with open arms oh let the ancient words impart oh let the ancient words impart oh 
let the ancient words in beyond description to marvelous for words too wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard who can test your infinite wisdom who can fathom the depths of your love you are beautiful beyond description majesty enthroned above and i stand I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in all of you i stand i stand in all of you holy god to whom our praise is due i stand in all of you i stand in all of you I stand in awe of you. The Son of God is lifted high. 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 Oh, wonderful glorious Jesus, the Son of God is lifted high, the Son of God is magnified, the Son of God is magnified, the Son of God is magnified, the Son of God is magnified in Atlanta. Jesus is magnified, the Son of God is magnified in my life. Jesus is magnified, the Son of God is magnified. Oh, 
Son of God is lifted high. The Son of God is glorified. 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 Oh, wonderful and glorious. Jesus, the Son of God is glorified. Oh, wonderful and glorious Jesus, the Son of God is glorified. We go to hell, hell your name, day by day. All the way, all the way, we go to hell, 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 your name, name, day by day. All the way, all the way, we go to hell, 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 hell your name, name, name. Day by day, 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 all the way, all the way, all the way. Hallelujah.